0: Well, happy Mother's Day to our moms this morning. What a joy it is to get to celebrate this day with you. Every Mother's Day, I make a disclaimer. Every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, I always make a disclaimer because for the most of us, this can be a joyful day. This, this day has a happy connotation to it. But I realize that there are some for whom this day is not joyful, it is not easy. In fact, It might be a very difficult day. I also realize there are all types of mothers. This isn't just about biological mothers, although we do thank them. Greg shared with me this morning that his sister on Facebook posted a graphic and the her text in it was to all the different kinds of mothers out there, and then this picture lists different types of mothers, and I really liked it, so I just want to share those types of mothers with you. There's expectant mothers, spiritual mothers, biological mothers, of course, foster moms, adoptive moms, single moms, stepmothers, grieving moms, absent moms. I added that one. That wasn't on there. And grandmothers. I mentioned Jim Flora, the pastor at First Baptist Church, Mount Vernon, who passed away this past Friday. He leaves behind a wife named Teresa. And I can't imagine on this Mother's Day what that grieving mom is going through. Or maybe for those kids who had to say goodbye to their dad the weekend of Mother's Day and looking forward to in just a month Father's Day. And there are, there are children in here. Because we're all children of someone, right? Who perhaps you didn't have a great relationship with your mother. Or maybe your mother is no longer on this earth. And I just want you to know that my heart is with you this morning. I have prayed for you, if not by name. In, in general terms, I have prayed for you. And I hope that on this Mother's Day, a day that may be difficult for you, that God shows himself to you as a faithful and loving parent. Amen? But for many of us, this is a day to be celebrated. And, and our moms are ones to be celebrated. If we celebrate anybody, we should celebrate moms, generally speaking, And as we look at Scripture, we see numerous stories of faithful moms radically entrusting their children to God. I think immediately of Samuel's mom, the prophet Samuel in the Old Testament, Hannah, a woman who was up in years, a woman who who at the time could not have children. And so she asked God, oh God, give me a child and I will dedicate that child to the Lord. And, And God was faithful to give her a child. Little Samuel, but she didn't forget her pledge, her vow, her commitment, because as soon as Samuel was weaned, she took him to the temple where the priests there, namely Eli, raised her son, and she watched him grow up from a distance. Such faith, such radical abandon to God's faithfulness. I think of Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, David's son, Solomon, who would be the next in line for the Davidic throne, the throne over all of Israel, except that as David is old and dying, Solomon's brother Adonijah takes the throne just assumes the throne without asking any questions, without even David's knowledge. He declares himself king. And Bathsheba, at the risk of her own life, both from Adonijah, who has now declared himself king, and in front of David, who she did not have an invitation to go into. And we remember from the story of Esther that it requires an invitation or you don't go before the king. But at the risk of her own life, knowing that God's will was for Solomon to be king, She went into the king, David, and made him aware of what Adonijah had done. And David, knowing that God's will was for Solomon to be king, declared Solomon king and not Adonijah. Such faith. I think about the unnamed mother, recorded in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16-28. through 28. Now, you may not know who I'm talking about, but when I tell you the story, you'll go, oh yeah, I know that story. Remember the story? King Solomon, wisest man that ever lived? And you've got these two moms who come before King Solomon and they're both arguing that this child is theirs because these were two moms who, who were living under the same roof. One of their children had died and in the night she had switched the child. Or at least that's what the one mother was accusing her of. And so they go before Solomon, both claiming to be the mother of this child. And you'll remember Solomon's strange plan. Cut the baby in half, give each mom half. And immediately the real mom, the mom of that child says, no, don't do that. Give my child to the other woman. Just don't harm my child. And Solomon knew immediately who the mother really was. A faithful mom who was willing to to sacrifice her relationship with that child to give her child life. Now, she's an unnamed mom, and so I think all of our faithful moms get to be named in this one mom. Moms who give up their own joy at all times, their own happiness sometimes, give up their own comfort most of the time to give their children life and goodness and blessing and provision that's just what moms do, right? As a dad, um, Benny, I, I got to tell this story, buddy. And please don't think I love you any less, okay? Katie and I, on Monday evening, we, went to, we had to go to Springfield to pick up something and the kids were at the house and so we decided to have a little date. And we went to Hanode in a Japanese steakhouse. The kids didn't know we were going to go. Had they known, they wouldn't have stayed home. But we were coming home and we were supposed to bring them lunch or dinner, I'm sorry, bring them supper. And we were we we pulled into the driveway, we were walking to the house, and I said, and we, we had gotten them McDonald's. And and I said to Katie, they're not gonna want McDonald's, they're gonna want to eat our food, our leftovers. And she said, Oh, that's fine, I don't mind. I said, I do. <laughs> this is my lunch tomorrow, they don't get this. And so I looked at her and I said, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like a pride of lions, where the mother hunts and allows the young to come and feed, and the dad, you know, eats the young before they can eat his food. Like, no way, you're not coming close to my food. Dads, you fend for yourself, buddy. Moms, I don't need, I don't need, you take it, sweetie. And that's just how moms are. I think of John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth, who waited so long to have a child and just trusted God to give her exactly what he wanted for her to have. And she had this, this son, this, uh, this uh, second cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, who she raised with her husband faithfully and who was the prophet who would declare the coming of the Messiah. And then, of course, I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who faithfully bore the Son of God, who faithfully loved Him and raised Him in the absence of His Father, most likely at a fairly young age, and who sat at the cross looking up at her Son hanging there in excruciating pain, suffering and dying, and all the while trusting God that He still had a good and perfect plan. We know she was there because, remember, Jesus said to John, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. She was there the whole time watching him die and trusting God all the while. And then I think of the woman who I want to focus on this morning, Moses' mom, Jochebed. Jochebed sending him down a perilous river in a basket because she couldn't save his life and so she entrusted him to God to save his life. And and whether it was just a shot in the dark, like I don't know what to do here, go in the basket, hopefully this works out, or she had a plan, like "I, I know about what time Pharaoh's daughter comes out into the Nile to bathe, I know how far it is away. I know what time he's going to get there. So I'm going to try to uh, maneuver and manipulate everything so that Moses is floating down the river about the time that she's out there. Maybe that's how it happened. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But either way, there was a tremendous amount of faith that went into that action, right? The Nile, a very dangerous and perilous river. Crocodiles, right? Fast-moving water. Basket could tip over. Baby could drown. Pharaoh doesn't see the baby, and he keeps floating down the river and dies from exposure. Who knows what was going to happen to Moses? She didn't, and yet she trusted God enough to put him in the basket and send him in God's care because she knew that God had the life of her child in his hands. And she trusted him that much. Now, it was several weeks ago after I had preached on the the beginning of Moses' life and ministry when we were up in our grow group, and somebody just mentioned the level of Jochebed's faith for putting her son in a basket and sending him down the Nile, not knowing what was going to happen to him. And, And immediately I said, that's my Mother's Day sermon. What a great sermon for Mother's Day. Now... The Bible tells us, Solomon, the wisest man on earth, tells us there's nothing new under the sun. And what I realized after I had picked this sermon out and outlined it and got it ready to go, two years ago, I preached from this same text on Moses' mother. Not the same outline, but a very similar sermon. So apparently God wants us to hear this somewhat again today. I know there are many faithful moms in this room today, moms who trust God with their children on a daily basis basis. Moms who desire, and to seek their, who desire and seek to see their kids raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and, and let me reiterate, as I've said so often in past Mother's Days, you don't have to be a perfect mom to be a faithful mom. In fact, there are no perfect moms, right? And yet there have been many faithful moms, many in here today. And so today, let us look at the example of Moses' mom and let us learn some principles of faithful parenting. So would you turn to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And when you've turned there, if you can and are willing, would you stand with me in honor of God's word, either in your Bible or on your device, wherever you're reading from, would you follow along with me? Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, why did she hide him? Well, because Pharaoh has commanded that all Hebrew boys be killed. They're growing too fast. They're becoming too numerous. And and he's afraid they're going to take over Egypt. And so he commands that all Hebrew boys be killed when they're born. But she hid him for three months verse 3 when she could hide him no longer she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him now the daughter of pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river she saw that the basket oh she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then, she, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him up out of the water. You may be seated. God, would you now bless this, the reading and proclamation of your word for your glory and the benefit of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, with the time we have left, I want to give you three principles of faithful parenting demonstrated by Moses' mother. Three principles of faithful parenting demonstrated by Moses' mother. And so parents, regarding your kids' futures, in regard to your children's futures, the first principle I think we see demonstrated in her life is this. Go all in on god. Now I don't know if it's good to use a gambling reference at church or not, but obviously that's a word that is used in gambling when you go all in, right? You put all your chips in. You you put all on red or all on black. I mean everything you've got is is on that one spot. You're risking everything, right? You're going all in. That's what that phrase means. And, and I would instruct you just as Jochebed did with Moses to go all in on God when it comes to your kids. To trust Him completely with everything, with their lives, no matter what. And know that if you want your children to have any kind of happy, hopeful, joyful future, it will only be with God. Amen? Here's the thing, no matter how hard we try on our own to protect our kids, we cannot keep them completely safe, right? Safety is an illusion. If we think that we can be safe all the time, and if we just take enough precautions and, and, and do enough things that we will be completely safe, put, your, put yourself in a padded room, uh, in, 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 a, in a basement that is bomb-proof, and, and lock all the doors, right? Cancer, heart attack... Anything can, uh, internally that goes wrong with your body can still get you because we cannot keep ourselves completely safe. And parents, we cannot keep our kids completely safe. And, and, and here's the thing. Sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, safety is not the most important thing, right? Right? We think safety first throughout this whole COVID-19 experience. We've heard that term over and over and over. Safety first. Safety first. I'm here to tell you safety is not the priority, right? Safety, the priority of safety can get in the way of serving God faithfully. Sometimes safety and faithfulness are at opposing odds. Because what we see as safe in our eyes in our own estimation, goes against what God is calling us to do because what God calls us to do sometimes does not seem safe. And yet, it is always best. Mike Rowe, I don't know if you remember a show on the Discovery Channel called Dirty Jobs. Mike Rowe was the host of that show. I, I really liked that show. The show is not on anymore, though I hear that it's coming back but he has a, a campaign called Safety Third. Because his whole premise is there are things that are more important than just ensuring safety, right? Because if we want to be absolutely safe, the most safest we can be, then we don't drive, we don't fly, we don't go outside, we don't eat anything except certain things. We lock ourselves up in a bomb proof shelter, and we never go anywhere or talk to anyone. That's safety first. And it's Ridiculous, right? We look at people who live like that, and we say they're crazy. They're insane. They need psychological help. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't live our lives with safety being the first priority, right? We take calculated risks so that we might be the most efficient and proficient, Wrapping our kids up in bubble wrap, keeping them locked up at home in a bomb shelter underground is a bad idea. It's not good for them. In fact, moms, you take risks all the time. I promise you that you don't value safety first because here's the thing. My wife has done it. Perhaps a lot of moms have done this. You sometimes leave dad in charge. That's not safe. That is not safe. And yet... We take calculated risks. And and here's the point I want to make. Discipling is more important than defending. Having a child who serves and follows Jesus Christ is way more important than having a safe and healthy and protected child. Because here's the thing. You, you can protect them from everything in this life and leave them completely exposed and at risk to eternity. The eternity in hell that comes apart from Christ. And so if you really want them to be safe, then you will take risk and you will trust God and you will disciple them over defending them. And you will protect them from the eternity of hell that awaits all, all who reject and are without Christ. Heaven is the greatest Protection. Jesus is the greatest defense. And we do that through discipleship. And so I would just encourage you parents, go all in on God. The second principle of parenting that I believe we learn from Jochebed is this. Parents, for the sake of your future, kids' future, your presence is priceless. Your presence is priceless. Now, I'm just going to walk into a minefield today, right? Because the whole idea of a stay-at-home mom or dad is, very, is a very sensitive subject in our day and age. And, and, and let me just say from the get-go, I realize that for some of you, that is not possible. If you're a single parent, I realize that is not possible. Or, or maybe you're not a single parent, but you're in a home where you just can't make it without two incomes, I get that. But there's a big difference between I can't and I won't. There's a big difference between I can't survive, we can't survive, and we want a certain lifestyle, a certain level of comfort and ease. And I'm I'm a parent of a household that has two parents Working outside of the home. Now, that wasn't always the case. Before my kids went to school and were at school away for the day, Katie got to stay home with our kids, and that was a blessing from God, and we're grateful for that. But when the kids were both in school full time, the Lord provided a job for her there. She got to be near them at school and then be home with them in the summers. Now, I, I, I realize that that's not the privilege of every parent of every household in this place. But there was a a research project done, Uh, Dr. Moeller on his podcast, The Briefing. There was a research project done by uh, some researchers in Canada. And they started decades ago, where they started following these households of parents who were in the workplace and parents who got to be home with their kids. Kids who had a parent, mom or dad, at home with them. At, you know, whether when they got home from school, there was a parent there waiting for them. They were home together in the evenings a lot of the time, most of the time. And kids who were raised by daycare all the time. Now granted, again, hear me, I realize that's not always an option that you have. And, and my sympathy and, and compassion goes out to you. There's no judgment here. But they found that kids who had a parent home with them, they were much more capable of dealing with problems in life. They had much le- lower levels of stress as adults. They were much more successful and they made more money than those who didn't have a parent at home with them. I'm just telling you, this is research. This is how it went. Now, where do I get this from her life? Well, we know first off, she, trust, she was all in on God because she put her kid in a basket and put him in the water, not knowing what was going to happen to him. That's all in on God. We also know that she wanted to be with her child, if at all possible, because she has her daughter follow along. And as soon as Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses... Most likely, Miriam, Moses' sister, goes up and says, I know somebody that will raise him for you. Why? Because even though Jochebed trusted God and said, I'm open-handed and I'll I'll let him go wherever you take him, God, I want to raise him. I want to be with him. I want to be the one nursing him and taking care of him and, and teaching him. And so what happens? God allows for that to happen. She realized that her presence was priceless. Now, we go to public school. Our kids go to public school. I realize that's not true for everyone here, whether you're a public school or a homeschool. And, and so I'm not saying here that you have to homeschool your kids, right? But I'm saying as much as possible, be with your kids. Know that you should be the primary discipler in their life. You should be the one primarily teaching them what it means to love God and love people. Don't abdicate that responsibility to somebody else. Again, as much as you can, as much as it is possible, your presence is priceless. Okay, third principle, very quickly here. Hold your children with open hands to God's will. Here's the thing. Jochebed was with Moses as long as she could be. But remember what the daughter of Pharaoh said, when he's old enough, I want him back. I want him back in this house. God had a plan, right? God had a plan for Moses. He was going to be the leader of a nation. And so in order to be that kind of leader, he needed some leadership training. And, and, and where better to do that than in the most powerful house in the world, Pharaoh's house. And Moses was raised to be a leader. He was raised to be a leader of Egypt. That was God's will. But in order for God's will to happen in Moses' life, his mom had to let him go. Verse 10, when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Jochebed gave up her son to God's will. Her hands were always open. God, whatever you want, whenever you want it, he's yours. If that means I'm out of the picture, if that means he's no longer with me, whatever that means, he is yours. And and so you could say here, parents, though they are our children, we need to remember that they are his children first and foremost. And sometimes his plan for them requires us to get out of the way. I told you that I had this sermon planned and outlined when I went back and realized that I preached the same text back in 2019. It's, I think it was called The Priceless Mother, which Jochebed was. And there I, under that, under the last um, point, which was kids are meant to launch, not to Leech. I gave you three, I gave three points of that, and it was just for me going back and looking at that, I thought, oh, that's so good. I want to give that to you again. So let me just give you these three things under this last point. In regard to your kids, parents, plan to launch them and let them go. Be planning for that from the very beginning. Your plan is to send them out, right? You don't want them to live with you forever, unless it's necessary. I realize there are kids with developmental issues, mental problems, who who that's required. And, and, And praise God for those parents who are willing to take on that lifelong responsibility. But most kids are meant to launch, not leech. And we need to be planning for that parents. Genesis 2, 24 says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. It was always intended for kids to launch, to leave, not stay. And parents, sometimes they're trying to leave and we won't let them. Sometimes they're trying to spread their wings and we hold them down. They're called offspring not off-stay, right? They gotta spring out. They gotta go. And true success does not come without a chance of failure. We've got to give them the chance to succeed, but with that comes the chance of failure. And they learn from that, and that's okay. So plan to launch them and let them go. The second thing I said under that was your financial provision needs to have an expiration date, right? If... If they don't have to go, I promise you they won't go. Most kids, if they've got it easy and they're taken care of, why would they leave that gig, right? I've got it good here, everything's taken care of. I'm just going to squat here for a while. But if the parent says on such and such date, that's it, you get a job or you're starving, you're homeless, that's a good incentive, right? It's a good motivator. I don't know about you, my kids like to eat. And if they knew that their food supply was being cut off, they would find a way to eat. And then the last point that I put under that, the succession of parental roles. And this is what our roles as parents should look like as they develop. And we're planning for development, right? We're planning for them to grow and to launch and to be ready and to love Jesus and to follow Him. But this is the succession of parental roles. We start off as a dictator. Don't do that. Do this. Don't touch. Get that out of your mouth. Don't put your finger in the light socket, right? Right. Thank you. Amen. We start off as a dictator. And as they get older, we move to a supervisor, right? We give them opportunities for choices, but as they're, when they're younger, those are limited, We teach them how to fail and succeed in the little things so that they'll know how to fail and succeed in the big things. And and they need to know both, right? They need to know how to fail because in this life, Jesus says, you will face many troubles. Let me rephrase that without changing the word of God any. In this life, you will fail at times. That just happens. We live in an imperfect world. You're an imperfect person, so failure is bound to happen. And kids need to know how to fail, how to get back up after they've fallen down. How to recover from failure. How to act in failure, right? With a, with a good attitude, with praise to God, with gratitude. And then maybe in the high school years or as they get ready to go to college, we become a counselor. They come to us, hopefully, Lord willing, we've built a relationship with them that they go, you know what, my, parent, my dad and mom weren't absolutely dumb. They do know a few things. I think I'm going to ask some questions. So we become a counselor, and then as they enter into adult and they have their own family, Lord willing, we move to friend, to confidant. And we get to watch the fruit of turning our kids over to God, of going all in on Him, of knowing that we spent time with them, We invested in our kids, and the greatest investment you can make is your time. And then we held our children with open hands to God's will, and it was time for them to launch. We let them go, because we trust God in everything, and we believe that they are His, and He will care for them much better than we ever could have. In his book, Moments for Mothers, Robert Strand wrote about the conflicts of a family in Glasgow, Scotland, He said that after years of rebellion, a daughter finally rejected her parents, their values, and their faith. And listen, that will happen no matter how good you may do it, no matter how much time you invest, no matter how much you trust God, no matter how much discipleship you give, some of your children may walk away from the faith. Some of our kids may walk away. We pray it not be so, but it could happen. Listen, I always tell people, A perfect parenting doesn't guarantee perfect kids because we have a perfect heavenly father and except for one, he has a bunch of messed up kids. So perfect parenting doesn't guarantee perfect children. And so we know some will walk away, but we hold them with open hands and we trust that God will bring them back. Proverbs 22, 6. She set out on her own to enjoy a life without restraints. But soon became enslaved to her liberated choices. It's funny how what we think is freedom ends up to be slavery when we walk away from God. Years of years of misery followed as she lived on the streets, sold herself for pennies, and depended on rescue missions for survival. Because of her self-imposed detachment from family, she didn't know that her father had died. And that her mother never quit looking for her. One day she saw a picture that her mom had posted in each of the city's homeless shelters. Scrawled across the photo of her mother with the words, I love you still, come home. In wonder and disbelief, she set out for her home. In hopes that she was indeed still loved and welcomed. She arrived to her house in the middle of the night, having traveled a long distance, and her heart raced as she stood on the porch and prepared to knock. But as she knocked, she realized the door was open. As she knocked, the door creaked open. And then she was scared, she was nervous. Had, someone, had something happened to her mother? Had someone broken in? And so she ran to her mother's bedroom in fear, hoping that she was okay and that nothing was wrong. She desperately reached for her mom and the woman awoke quickly to embrace her wayward daughter. And when the young woman, this young daughter, explained her fears about the open door, this is what her mother said. No, dear, from the day you left, that door has never been locked. Now, here's the thing. The mom didn't wander the streets. She didn't go out looking. She didn't keep her daughter from leaving. She didn't do all the things that would be impulsive to parents whose child was going such a wayward way. She opened her hands and let her go into God's care. She trusted that God would love her and parent her better than she ever could. And she trusted that God would lead her back to His love. And yet, we see her hope and her faith in the fact that she never closed the door, never locked the door. It was always unlocked and waiting. Not because she believed that her daughter would do the right thing at some point, but because she believed that a great, big, wonderful, amazing, loving God would always do the right thing. And that he would guide her daughter. Moms, dad, parents. Oh, that we would go all in on God. Oh, that we would give our kids the pricelessness of our presence. And oh, that we would hold them tightly with open hands, knowing that God's will is best for them whether it seems safe, whether it seems prudent, whether it will make them beggars or riches. Let us trust God with our kids. Father in heaven, right now, as a dad, as a pastor, I want to hold my children, I want to hold my church tightly, but with open hands to your will. I want to trust you that much, oh God. I need your help. I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to love my kids in such a way that I, that I give them the privilege of discipleship and the, the benefit of godliness. Not just, not just teaching them and showing, or not just showing them what the Bible says, but exampling it in my life. Let them see you in me, oh God. And I pray that you would be with every parent today, regardless of what kind of parent they are, adoptive, foster, spiritual, expecting, grieving, absent, that you would guide our hearts and show us what it means to be faithful parents for your glory and for the eternal benefit of our children. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.